0: Welcome to the Resurrection Church Podcast. Resurrection Church exists for the glory of God and the joy of His people. If you're looking for a church in the upstate of South Carolina, please join us nine eleven 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 900 North Main Street in Greer, South Carolina. We pray you'll be blessed by this message.
1: My name is Andy, by the way. I'm one of the elders here at Resurrection. So glad you're here uh, in this room or join us online. So thankful for that. Um, Church family, if we can give them a round of applause to welcome them. So glad you're here. Um, I'll be reading the sermon text this morning. We're continuing to uh, teach through the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles this morning, Turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 14. We'll be starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 14. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there's a man before him who had dropsy. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to
0: God. Thank you, Andy. Well, good morning, church. Apparently, uh, this is my second round, apparently the first time went well enough that you wouldn't have me back, so thank you for that. Uh, This is tall because I need to see it, and uh, the table is just too flat for me, so thank you, Andy, for indulging me. Uh, My name is Stan, I'm one of the elders here at Resurrection Church, and I echo uh, Andy's welcome to you who are members here and those who are guests. I'm also one of the teachers of Discover Res, and we're starting a new class in August. So please sign up for that if you haven't already. We've got a nice class uh, coming in August, good size, and we would like it even bigger. So if you haven't been able to do that uh, yet, uh, we would invite you to come. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started, okay? Father, um, I ask that you come now in spirit and in truth. I know what I have prepared to say, but Father, if you have other things to do, please do it. Come and work in us, in our hearts and in our minds. Help us to see, help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Question for the audience, this is a poll. You will raise your hand in response movies or books if you prefer a book raise your hand okay if you prefer the movie if you prefer both both hands okay all right so that's most people like the movie i think that's probably a reflection of our age that we live in but a good many of you like the books what your my favorite movies i have an agreement with pam if we watch a movie together it's not the notebook Okay, I have a requirement of about three explosions, two gunfights, and at least a good car chase, right? I want action. I want movement. I want things happening. I want you to hold my attention. And some of my, some of my most favorite movies will have some sort of plot running through it where there's some kind of pattern that you kind of pick up on. And then later on in the movie, you get some backstory right that gives you some reasoning behind the pattern you're seeing and you have this ah oh, now i see what's really going on right those kind of they let you into more of the story so that you can understand what's happening and we come to today's text if you if you remember paul had a pattern in his early ministry right he's going city to city in his early missionary journeys Right, And we read in Galatians that Paul was called for a specific purpose to preach to the Gentiles, to proclaim him among the Gentiles. But what was Paul's heart? He would always, every city he went to, go to the synagogues and preach to his Jewish brothers and sisters, Paul, being, Paul also being Saul, the Pharisee, had a special, deep love for his kinsmen. And he wrote in Romans 9 that, something to the effect of, I wish that I could myself be accursed so that my brothers and my Jewish brothers could be saved, right? We see that backstory in Paul, that reasoning behind the pattern that he developed. And we come to today's text And we see, I think, a pattern. And I'm wondering if you caught it too. Did you see the pattern? Let's read it together. Luke 14, starting in verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent and he took him and healed him and sent him away. Did, you, did that ring bells for you when you read this? Anybody out there listening? Any, any bells go off? It's like I've seen this scene play out before in Luke, right? There's another Sabbath. There's actually several Sabbath healings recorded, right? If you look back through Luke, just two weeks ago, Donnie taught on Luke 13, and there was a woman with a disabling spirit, and Jesus heals her on the Sabbath in the synagogue, right? And there's all kinds of disruption in a teaching moment. If you look Back even further, in Luke 6, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And there's more disruption and more teaching moments. So this is, this is now three that we've counted, where Jesus comes and disrupts the norm by healing on the Sabbath. But there's, this is not the first time in Luke 6 that he did it. And I think we get some backstory. So I'm going to back us up today all the way to Luke 4. We get backstory here, and I think it gives us some clarity on Jesus' motivation to coming to synagogues or being in a, a special place on the Sabbath in healing sometimes in the synagogue, sometimes in a home, but always disrupting the status quo and disrupting how people think things ought to operate. Let's look in Luke 4, let's begin in verse 31. Should be on the screen, but I'd love to hear the pages turn. Luke 4, 31. And he went down to Capernaum, And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. This is the first time Luke records a Sabbath healing. And it's of an unclean spirit in a man, and it's cast out. You'll notice there is no controversy stirred from this, none, but only amazement. But that's not all Jesus did this day. If we keep reading the very next verse, verse 38 says, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, And they appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. So here we have a second healing on the Sabbath, Peter's mother-in-law, right? No controversy here because I don't think there's even an audience, right? They've gone into the home, it may be into the bedroom, if they had those sort of things back then, I don't know. But she's in bed, she's sick, she has a fever, and Jesus rebukes the fever, and she gets up and starts to serve him. But what I want you to notice is what follows this. Verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. When did the people start coming to Jesus? When the sun was setting. What does that mean? Sabbath is over. They waited until Sabbath was over to come to Jesus. I think I'm using some holy imagination here, right? As Brad likes to say, sanctified imagination. Sabbath is over and they come. And I'm overwhelmed by the compassion of Jesus here. He doesn't turn anyone away. He touches all of them. He heals all of them. And I think it took all night. Why do I think that? Because verse 42 says, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. Now, again, using a bit of imagination here, when we combine Jesus and a desolate place, what do we think of? Desert. Empty place, but what does Jesus do in empty places? He prays. He prays. Why would Jesus take this time to go pray? He's been up all night healing people. You'd think he'd want to get some rest, but no. He goes out to pray. Now, Jesus is fully God, right? We believe that. But we also believe he's fully human. And he like us, depending on the Holy Spirit, may recognize something that's going on and need to take that to the Father. Right? Process. Ask. Father, what's going on here? Why do these people wait until the end of Sabbath to come? Why couldn't they come before? What's wrong in their perception about the Sabbath that they would wait and come then, instead of coming, when I was readily available. You see that? Don't miss the heart of God in this. Don't miss it. He's readily available. And then the people come to him, and they ask him to stay It says in the rest of verse 42, and when the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving, but he said to them, and I think this is the answer to his prayer, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. In verse 44, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea he starts traveling from this point on from town to town to preach in the synagogues. Why the synagogues? Because that's where people gathered on the Sabbath. Jesus is disrupting how we think about our preconceptions of how things should work, especially here on the Sabbath. Are you with me? You seeing this motivation now? So we come to today's text. Back to verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully, and behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Okay, so here's the setting, right? Jesus is at a meal. Now, we've talked about this before, if you've been here any length of time at Res, that these meals, they didn't have this nice air conditioning that we have here back then, right? So their eating area, especially in the summer, if it was hot, they would sit outside in an open air place to eat, right? So he's been invited to this meal. And if you were invited to this meal, you would have a seat at the table, you would have a reserved place for you because you were invited. And as the guest, you would have a place at the table. But people who were not invited, often, if they heard about what was going on, who was going to be there, they would gather outside the open-air eating area and listen in on the conversation. Okay? That's our setting. And now, Jesus responds to them watching him carefully. Have you ever responded to someone watching? What are you looking at? <laughs> Back in my day, it was take a Polaroid, it'll last longer. You felt somebody looking at you? you, remember that? All right. Maybe just a simple, can I help you if you're nicer than me? But his response is a Question. He knows they're watching, and he responds with a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And I imagine that their minds are thinking through this. I I don't want us to presume too much uh, here, but normally when we hear the word Pharisee or lawyer, our minds go, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, right? The alarms go off but I don't want us to assume the worst here. I think Jesus has asked them a question that has got them thinking a brand new category of thought, right? There's three key words to this question. Is it lawful, right? These guys are all about the law, so much so that they've always tacked on extra things to make sure that they can't ever get close to breaking it, right? So the first part of the question, is it lawful? The second part, to heal. Is it lawful to heal? Can you imagine these Pharisees and lawyers? This is a new concept for them. Now they're spinning through their minds about laws, about healing. Would they have even thought of that to this point? Would they have ever even experienced a healing or even seen one happen to this point? Maybe if they had been around other places where Jesus had been, but this is a new city for him, right? He's he's moving through places and breaking norms, and he's asking this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Oh, wow. Well, okay, if I'm a Pharisee or a lawyer, I'm thinking, okay, how much work is it to heal someone and Should I do that on, should I wait? Is it lawful? I can just see their gears turning. And I think that's what's happening here. And they either can't come up with a good answer or they're still thinking through it. And Jesus just puts on a demonstration. Right there before him is a man with what's called dropsy. Do you know what dropsy is? When I first heard the term dropsy, I'm thinking has a stroke and part of him is like leaning or something like that. But no, that's not what this is. It's much simpler, right? Dropsy is just another word for edema, which is a swelling, right? So if you've got, it can be caused by many things, right? This is about as far as my medical training goes, right? I did Google to find this out, right? So you can have swelling in your legs, your ankles, um, your feet could swell, Um, from several things, right? You can have a kidney disease that will cause this, a heart disease where you're not pumping blood correctly or a cirrhosis of the liver will actually cause this. And various other things can cause this swelling, this disc, and it's very uncomfortable, right? And before Jesus there, right in front of him, he can see is this man with this issue. And Jesus just, Takes him, heals him, and sends him away. Talk about no description. Talk about just putting this in your own imagination. I mean, it's almost like an afterthought. Takes him, heals him, sends him, right? This is why I think the man was not invited. He was standing outside because he had no place to sit. So Jesus sends him back out. And it's almost like a throwaway statement but it's a demonstration to answer the question. Is it lawful to do it? Well, I'm going to do it. And now I'm going to tell you, ask you another question to help you process and see what the obvious answer should have been. If your son or ox, there's a disparity, right? You have an, how in the world do you pull an ox out of a well? I mean, but if your son or your ox falls in a well, will you do not immediately pull him out? The answer is obvious, right? Restoration to a right state is never prohibited, no matter what day it is. And they're dumbfounded, right? No response. Why? Rhetorical questions with great significance and obvious answers tend to put you in your place and shut you up. Right? Don't miss the heart of God here. There are no limits to the breaking in of the kingdom. Jesus controls the day the time it will come, not man or his laws. Our mindset on what we think would please God is sometimes set in direct opposition into what he wants to do. Make no mistake, Jesus will have his way. He will do what he wants to do. Now, At this point, he tells a parable. So let's look at the parable. Verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, we've taught many times on how to interpret a parable, right? The simple, most obvious answer is the point. What is the simple, most obvious answer to this parable? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Think of yourself as the lowest, not even deserving a seat anywhere and then Jesus makes it abundantly plain, as if we couldn't get it at the beginning, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is plain enough, right? I had a friend um, who was asked to do a call to worship one time, and the sermon was going to be on humility. (laughs) He said he thought to himself, well, this is going to be easy because I'm the most humble person I know. <laughs> and then the week before he was to deliver this call to worship, he, on a work trip, got to visit the Grand Canyon. And he said, Nobody comes back from that place thinking higher of themselves. God used that beautiful creation to let him know how small he was just compared to a big hole in the ground, right? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Now, let's not make the mistake of separating the parable from what just happened, right? We tend to take scriptures and see these column headings and that sort of thing, and we tend to, in our minds, break them apart. But I think Jesus is still teaching about healing on the Sabbath and humility. I think he's combining the two now because think about what you just witnessed. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Okay, let me demonstrate that to you by doing it. And then let me tell you a parable about it to explain it. And now don't think more highly of yourself than you ought Because the one who comes in humility, the man with dropsy, standing outside the gathering place, became positioned, taken by the one who invites, the one who calls, the one who justifies, and he gets the best seat table. He gets the best seat gift. He gets the kingdom. Don't separate those two. So I know this is short. I've got some takeaways and I may, I may, I have a little tack on bonus feature at the end of this movie. Three takeaways for us. Number one, never doubt the heart of God and breaking down your misconceptions when it comes to your understanding of what pleases the Father. He's working now to bring you to freedom and life in him. Zeke and I were talking just before service today, and he's asking me about this scripture that he didn't understand. And I did the best I could trying to maybe determine what that scripture really meant. And we talked for a little while And then I also said to him, look, Jesus is working on your understanding. He's going to bring you through this and let you struggle with this scripture until it becomes clear. You have the aha moment. Jesus is working to disrupt what you think is right to bring you to a better understanding of himself. He is for you. He's for you. And number two, culture today says it's all about you. Self-care, self-love are all the rage. Self-esteem has become the new God of this age. The gospel calls you to something so much better. I like to say it like this. The goal of the, of the gospel is to get you to think so highly of God that you forget about yourself. When we can humble ourselves, God will exalt us. So serve. Be last. Humble yourself. And number three, don't get these mixed up. He's for you because he's a loving God. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're chosen before the foundation of the world, not because of what we've done or because we're all that with the chips and the pickle, but because of his sovereign choice. And we rejoice in that. There was one more healing that Jesus did on the Sabbath that Luke doesn't record. And it's the man at the pool of Bethesda. You remember that story? This also raised a great deal of controversy because this man was at this pool and legend had it that when the water stirred, it was supposed to be an angel that stirred it. And if you were the first one in the pool, you were healed. Man had been there for 38 years. And Jesus comes and asks him, Do you want to be healed? Can you see the disruption in this man's face, in this man's mind at this point? Do I want to be healed? been here for 38 years trying to get in the water before everyone else, and I've got no one to help me, and everyone beats me to it whenever it happens. And Jesus just says, take up your mat and go home. And he does. He picks up his mat, he puts it under his arm, and he starts to go home, but it happens to be the Sabbath day. And a Pharisee sees him and it all breaks loose, right? He's carrying his mat. Who, what are you doing carrying your mat on the Sabbath day? Well, the man who healed me told me to pick it up and go home. Well, who's that? What authority does he have to disrupt the Sabbath? And at that point on, the Jews were really trying to kill him. And Jesus' response is this. This is, this is not going to be on the screen, but John Uh, Chapter 5, in verse 17, Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. And he says, Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. not honor the Father who sent him. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. That statement disrupts our norm. That statement says you can't earn this. That statement says whoever I choose is mine. And we come on Sunday mornings thinking we're trying to please God or earn something from him, get him to do something for us when he just says, the kingdom is at hand, and it is for you, but it is my work, and I will do it. So remember, God is here. If you're struggling to understand, he's going to disrupt your norm. He's going to reveal what real life and real truth is. He's going to show you, ask questions, and give you real world examples of what it really means to follow him. On his terms, not ours. And I hope something I've said today, if you're outside of him, you're not fully given over to him today, has said, you're right. I need that grace. I need that love. And if that's you today, we would love to talk with you after. We'd love to pray with you. We'll be here. Find us. He's here to disrupt us. He's here to show us what's true. Let's pray together. Father... Um, The story is, is difficult at times to understand. We pray that we would be those people who are wrestling with truth, wrestling with what you're trying to teach us, twisted in knots to try to answer the questions you have for us. And we pray that your spirit would come and reveal that truth to us. Because we just can't do it on our own. Backstory shows us the heart of God and what He thinks of us and how He goes to such extremes to help us understand that He's for us, but then reminds us to be humble. Father, let us be humble seekers. Of your grace, your truth, and your mercy. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: In dismissing this morning, I'd like to read a few verses from a psalm. May this be our blessing this morning as we dismiss Psalm 119, starting in verse 35. It says, the psalmist writes, Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, and give me life in your ways. God does all of that, inclines, turns. All we have to do is delight in it. And not to selfish gain. It's, it, I just think about that teaching and, and humility. And this it shows the psalmist's heart. And I, and I, I pray with eyes open, I pray that this will be our blessing today as we leave this place. Amen.
0: We hope you've been blessed by this message from Resurrection Church. Please visit resfaith.com. That's R-E-Z faith.com where you can find more sermon archives, learn more about our church, and find a place to give to our ministry. We'd be glad to hear from you. Drop us an email at connect at
1: resfaith.com.